0: Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: On this episode, recording from an undisclosed location, offensive free agent targets, who I like and why, I'm the columnist, I'm the analyst, and, and this, this is, is the, the Nick, Nick and Nolan, Nolan Show. Show. You ready?
0: to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan.
1: I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had.
2: Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T.
1: And along with me, as always, Bruce Nolan, you can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive.
2: Bruce, doesn't this feel a little different to you? Something's, something's amiss. Yeah. I can't quite put
1: my finger on it. Yeah, it's a little weird. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel a distinct lack of, of Nick in my life right now. I feel a disturbance in the force, really. A disturbance in the force.
0: I felt a great disturbance in the force.
1: Yes. So
2: we have stumbled upon some technology that we believe is going to give us the adequate quality of audio that you guys are used to from the Nick and Nolan show simultaneously, we are not in the same location. So this is allowing us to record high quality audio while Bruce and I are each at our respective homes instead of being in the presence of one another at one of our homes. So this is a a thing that we're hoping is going to be good. Please give us some feedback. We would like to know if this is a significant step backwards on the quality of audio that you're typically used to hearing from us. Uh, we've done some tests. We were very impressed and pleased with the results, and we hope that this is gonna this is gonna work. It certainly relieves a little bit of the little bit of the stress and and sort of the 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 overhead things that Bruce and I have to juggle whenever we are doing this show and making time to be in the same place because you and I don't live as close to each other
1: as you know, we would ideally like considering how much time we spend doing
2: this pod, right?
1: Yeah, being an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes away from each other is a little bit problematic when you want to record Uh, significant amounts of content per week. You know, we usually have an hour and a half to two hours worth of content every week. And then, you know, we have real jobs that don't revolve around this. So there's that too. But I'm hoping that we're going to be able to, number one, deliver the sound quality. And number two, I hope we can deliver the energy because the energy is different. It is a different dynamic when you're physically looking at someone and you're having a natural, organic conversation versus... Having a a more I talk you talk I talk you talk and I, it's going to keep me from talking over you which is great because I've I've taken many notes on myself that I need to not do that anymore but I'm I just want to make sure the listeners pay attention and that they can give us feedback on how they feel like it goes
2: yeah well we are we are going to give it a go today and we're going to start. Before we do anything else, we're, we're going to you're going to give us some methodology about what we're going to talk about. We're going to share the topic that we're going to talk about, which you've already heard in the intro. We're going to talk about potential free agent targets that the bills could pursue in the coming weeks that you know we're about to stumble upon that time. But we have an exciting announcement. We'll talk about this today and we'll talk about it tomorrow briefly for those of you who maybe listen to these out of order or whatnot. But on Saturday. WGR 550 in Buffalo, the sports radio station, the the home of the Buffalo Bills. There is the Sports Talk Saturday show. It is on from 11 to 2 p.m., 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Saturday. It was originally a show that was hosted by Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio! As he has picked up the responsibilities of being the full-time Buffalo Bills beat reporter, he stepped back a little bit from hosting Sports Talk Saturday on the regular, and the new regular host is Mr. Nate Geary. And you guys all know Nate Geary, probably from WGR. Perhaps you know him from some of his work with Cover One. Nate has been so gracious as to invite Bruce and I to go up to Buffalo on a little field trip and do the entire show alongside him in person at the WGR studio on the air on Saturday.
0: Good news, everyone.
2: So we have gotten over the year that we have been doing this podcast and previously the Bill's Backers podcast, we have had people and listeners say, hey, we'd like maybe to do a question and answer thing. And We're pretty we're pretty. Reachable and, and and easy to communicate with and easy to get a hold of on Twitter. If you have something specific you want our feedback on, but you know, and Matt Warren does a great job with the question and answer podcast on Buffalo Rumblings. So there's no reason for us to do that sort of content whenever the channel is already providing it. However, if you have had the desire more than once or even once to interact with Bruce and I in a way where you would re- ask us a question and we would respond to you on air you will have the opportunity on Saturday. You can call into the show. Nate has already given us the thumbs up that the phone lines will be open and you can reach out to us. You can ask us a question and we will have to respond without all of the little shenanigans that we have the ability to do with what we do now because we clean up a little bit of our speech whenever we stumble or have to repeat you know that comes out in the editing process if things get a little awkward i add a funny soundbite here or there and that kind of stuff we don't have that to lean on we're gonna we're gonna literally just be on the air going and trying to uh bring some value to sports talk saturday but it's something i'm very i'm very excited about and i think you are as well right bruce
1: i'm super excited i was even more excited when nate figured out that there are no video cameras in the studio. There is no live streaming of the people who are there. So for those of you who thought you were going to get a glimpse of Bruce, you were wrong. It's a little bit like when people found out I was going to be on Instagram live with Matt Perino and they were like, what the heck, what's going on there? And then I came on wearing a mask.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Bruce will remain incognito, but it it should be a great time. It's something that we're very excited about. And uh, you know, being on WGR As a a person who is who is there because you want to people somebody somehow is interested in hearing what I have to say or what you have to say, Bruce, I guess I won't speak for you. But for me, that is. Literally a, a dream come true, and I'm I'm very excited about it, and looking forward to the trip. And then we're going to record one of our food pods, which we we did last year. You know, we we took a trip up to Buffalo and did the uh, Nick and Nolan Take Buffalo Tour, making Bruce into an honorary Buffalonian by introducing him to all of the Buffalo foods. And we are going to Kelly's Corner this uh, weekend with Nate. So next week you will receive instead of a normally uh, scheduled podcast from us you will get an episode uh at least one potentially two depending on how it works out with nate that's the plan at least i mean you know we did have that one hiccup where we recorded with rock pile report and banged up bills and that didn't exactly work out
1: yeah that was less than desirable but the food was worth it by itself you know we had great conversation with those guys and you know bar bill is now you know legendary as far as i'm concerned i don't think you'll be getting the hot wings the next time you go back though oh god okay the hot for everybody who does not
2: know. Or, you know, this is this is something that, that people frequently like to bring up and and make a, you know, point out to me that I could not handle the hot wings at Bar Bill. And, and to be fair, you know, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of some sort of reputation that Buffalo has around the hot sauce that is used on all of the wings. If you order hot like Duff's has the advertisement about how hot is really, really hot and mild is hot and all that stuff. And it's all about it's all. You know, relative to what you would consider hot, right? I mean, Barbill, their hot is a significantly hotter hot than you would order whenever you order either wings or, you know, even an ethnic food or a spicy dish of any sort from any restaurant. The hot at Barbill is serious. I mean, they are not messing around. And I was not expecting that. Normally I order hotter quote unquote, than I would think I can handle knowing that restaurants kind of back it off because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to spice their, their customers to death. Well, barbell, you know, they just don't give a shit. I mean, just, they threw it to the (laughs) wind and I did, I did not realize that. And so I ordered the hot, you know, which is a, a really, pretty much what I would do almost anywhere I went. And it was, they, they take that word seriously there. Now they were delicious, but they were, they were also serious. And I, I can't do this the same level of heat that I could, you know, like the atomic wings at a place like Quaker steak and lube, that's a famous chain nationwide. And they're famous for having these atomic wings. And now they've got supercharged and, uh, atomic, I think something even above that. So they've got super, super hot wings, right? This, this was serious. I mean, this was not the hot wings you're going to get at any sort of chain or really at any other, wing establishment in Buffalo or outside. So yes, of course, admittedly, when we go back to barbill sometime, I will not get the hot wings. Well,
1: either way, here or there, I mean, the waiter did warn you that it was going to be crazy hot and he wasn't just, you know, blowing smoke up your rear end. I I thought he was being I thought he was
2: trying to do like the Duff's thing because Duff's hot wings are not so spicy that any that anybody would have a problem with them. This is my opinion. So I thought he was doing, he was kind of being like, hey, doing like the thing that Buffalo places do, right? I was projecting what Duff's does onto bar bill. And that is my error. And I promise you that I paid the price for it. So you don't have to, you don't have to come at me anymore about it, but yes. So we're going to go to Kelly's corner. Who knows? Maybe I'll get something that's super crazy hot again. And, and, and my reputation for not being able to handle hot things will just
1: continue to grow. But I think this is going to be a thing, Nick. It's going to be a thing, man. yeah, Yeah. All right, well, we'll everybody's we'll got a brand, out. dude. My, my brand is the incognito thing. Your brand's going to be the can't take the high spicy stuff thing. I mean, everyone's got to have is, a brand. That is so upsetting to me that <laughs> because
2: that is not at all that is not at all true. I make it a point when I go to restaurants to order things that have the chili pepper next to them, or they're written in red, you know, the red, the, uh, the text color is red because they want you to know that it's extra spicy or whatever. That is my preference above, you know, something that isn't, you know, doesn't carry any sort of quality of heat, but uh, you know, so be it that, that is where we're at right now until I buck the trend. So Okay, let's turn it back over before we dig into this and I just, you know, get shot upon for the next 30 minutes. Bruce, we're going to talk about the offensive prospects that you have in mind for the Bills to pursue in free agency. Now, as always, you have some some barriers, some boundaries, some guidelines, you know, a rubric, so to speak, that you have put together that is gonna sort of explain why these guys are on the list and why other guys that maybe, you know, people are talking about or thinking about are not. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So one of the hallmarks of the Nick and Nolan show is we go slow and we have methodology. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this free agency in relative to last year's free agency for this team in its life cycle. Now, the common discussion that you hear GMs say when they get hired is we want to build through the draft. I'm here to tell you that that phrase is very, very interesting and it's a little misleading. You do want to build through the draft, but it's commonly accepted that if you get three starters out of a draft class, that is considered to be a win. Now, Brandon Bean has been batting markedly higher on average than most GMs. He has been hitting better than he probably should. Now we can make an argument as to whether or not he will regress to the mean or whether or not Bean is just exceptionally talented. We can have a separate discussion about that. But if you get three starters in every draft and you come into a team who is, let's say, at the mean or at the median for average talent level in the NFL, that's, that's okay. We get that. Because you're gonna you're gonna influx some people, you're gonna re-sign some people. What Bean was forced to deal with by his own hands, by you know jettisoning a lot of bad contracts that he got when he took over. You know, people like you know Charles Clay and Marcel Darius and trading Sammy Watkins and trading Ronald Darby and and honestly, Ronald Darby is not a, a bad contract, but trying to accumulate assets and those things. This team in 2018 was one of the least talented teams I have ever seen. If that is the case, you cannot build through the draft. You can't. There's not enough time. You get three starters out of each draft. That's great. But you have 22 starters, folks. If you start off as the worst team in the league and then you say you want to build through the draft... I'll see you in 20 years. It, you, you, you see what I mean, Nick, about this kind and of you, thing. It's, yeah, yeah. You have to start from some semblance of a reasonable level. And last year's massive influx in free agency was to get us back to acceptable levels of talent. That doesn't mean you can expect that sort of investment from a free agency standpoint every single year from this team. Because the, you say, well, you know, the Bills probably aren't going to be super active. Well, they were active last year. Yes, but why? Why were they active last year? They were active last year because if they weren't, it would have taken them a decade to build through the draft. And by then, the people you draft at the beginning are aging out. You have to get yourself back to zero. And that's what last free agency was. We talked about this specifically with the offensive line M- numerous times we've said that the free agent injection of talent from the to, after the 2018 season was just to get us from historically bad to okay and so now that we're in that spot i would really 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 not expect that same level of investment from a quantity standpoint or from a total cash dollar standpoint this year that was just to replace the assets we traded away with Sammy Watkins and cutting people and Marcel Darius and getting rid of all these people and Ronald Darby, getting that massive free agency haul last year was just to get us back to okay, because you can't build from the draft. You can't build through the draft when you're already below sea level. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's important to understand that before we go farther. Well, tell me this. Part of this is also people
2: look at free agency and they look at it I don't. I don't want to necessarily say as a cheat code, but this. I think this sort of this thought that free agency can move the needle quickly because you can acquire talent that you kind of already know what it is. And when you draft guys, you know that's not always true. Now, I, I I will I will admit that even some free agent signings, you you sign them hoping that they're going to become something they haven't, or they're going to recapture something they've lost. I acknowledge that, but you also have the opportunity. I think people think about it in a way where they, they believe you have the opportunity to acquire something that you know exactly what it is. Yes, and, and that's that, absolutely true. That is
1: absolutely and, true.
2: When that happens, it is, it, it's part of this thing where like there's a window to win, right? Like there's a, there, your, your, you're however far away from being a finished product that you are now Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have both said that they don't believe that they're one player away or something like that and I can understand that that means you're not going to go out and sign you know a a guy like Yannick Ngakwe which is a a guy who's going to be coming very close to setting the market at the second highest paid position in the league right so that's I understand not committing to that but you know, at the same time I look at last year and I don't, I don't look at last year's free agent class as though it was such a commitment that it could never be duplicated. Now it was a lot of guys and I don't think we have as many guys that we must replace, but I don't think that it's, it doesn't strike me as being necessarily prohibitive simply because, you know, we did something either with money or with, I don't know some sort of some some something we tied ourselves into that we would never be able to navigate out of it, especially because you know Brandon Bean has often been quite savvy with setting up these you know one year and let's see, two year and let's see deals, right? That's already something that you've spoken to us about. So you know can, is are you suggesting or are you kind of in the camp that we're not going to be as active in free agency because we do not have to or because we
1: we literally could not? The, one of the reasons why you could do it last year is because you didn't have any big ticket people in-house you have to pay. You can get away with it in 2018. You can spend that in 2018. You can't spend that every year. I think um, it was Joe Marino on Twitter Tuesday, I think, earlier today, said that if you re-signed Deion Dawkins and Jordan Poyer and a couple other players, if you re-signed them this offseason to just market value contracts... And then you had to allot $10 million to $15 million for draft picks and having an extra five or six in the middle of the season in case something goes a wire and you need to sign somebody, you would end up with between 25 and $30, 30 million left over. That's how much you actually have to spend. Yeah. And so, okay. yes, you can do it. Right. But you get away with it last year, but it's the in-house guys because your big ticket people aren't going to be your free agents. They're going to be your in-house guys. Last year, we didn't have anybody to pay this year. we do. That's right. I understand. Okay, that
2: that that answers that question. Okay, so uh, is there a number? I know. How many guys do you have? And or if you want to bunch these guys together, how many
1: buckets of guys do you have for the offense? I have nine guys. Now, a few of them can be talked about in a group, but I have nine guys on offense, and right now I have nine guys on defense. I just tried, you know, it's a little OCD. I got to kind of balance them out, you know? It's got to be nine on this and nine on this. And I I understand the offense is a bigger thing, but there's just part of me that just really, really needed to make sure that those two things were balanced.
2: Uh, As all things should be. I don't think anybody is surprised. So, um, Okay, why don't you talk about either your first bunch or your first player? Do you let me ask you this actually. I will guess. Do you have any offensive linemen on your list?
1: I do. I have four offensive linemen on my list. Oh my
2: gosh, four. Okay, I did not expect that. Uh okay, uh are they all tackles? Um not necessarily. Okay, well, <laughs> let's 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 start there. Give me give me uh the highest dollar that you expect, like the the guy, you know, and maybe there's two of them, but the
1: high dollar offensive lineman that you got. Brian Bulaga, right tackle Green Bay. I think that Brian Bulaga is a guy who the Bills pursued in 2015, and I wanted the Bills to draft him in 2009 when they drafted C.J. Spiller. There was a big discussion at that time as to whether or not that would be in a reach for Brian Bulaga. In retrospect, it would not have been a reach. He's been a perfectly reasonable starting right tackle for the last decade. Now, he is a little bit older, but there is some discussion as to whether or not the Packers will re-sign Jared Veldier and then do that specifically so that they can let Brian Bulaga walk. He's a good player. He is an absolutely a good player. He's not in his absolute prime right now, but... I think having him and having Adrian Waddle and having Ty and Secchi pretty much takes care of that right tackle spot. And that allows Cody Ford to move to guard. Brian Bulaga has experience blocking for a quarterback who has a tendency to hold the ball in Aaron Rodgers. He has the right mindset for Bean and McDermott to want to pursue. And the Bills are infinitely more stable than they were the last time they pursued him. Now, I understand it was a different regime when we pursued him in 2015. I get that. But he was... You know, he was pursued by this organization before, and I wouldn't be shocked if this particular regime wanted to pursue him again.
2: He is exclusively a tackle. Is that right? Yes. And is
1: he exclusively right or left? He's played right thus far and shown the most success at right. I would not feel comfortable moving him at this point in his career. Okay. And,
2: you know, c- considering his age, how many years of of suitable play, you know, on, uh, is on average for a guy his age? How much does he have left in the tank? Would you be surprised if he played five years? Would you be surprised if he played three years? What would be uh, a- an
1: expectation for
2: uh, what this guy could bring to the Bills?
1: Offensive tackles have been shown to be able to play into their mid 30s, depending on how they're specifically their knees, their lower body holds up. Joe Thomas talks all the time about the type of pain he was in at the end of his career. And so a lot of it depends on lower body joints. A lot of it depends on that. Now, obviously, that stuff's going to be taken care of in the physical, but I can we can very easily get two or three years out of Brian Bulaga before I start to get concerned about that. Okay. Who is the maybe next highest offensive lineman that you would expect to get paid? All right. We're going to lump the last three of these offensive linemen in together. This is one of the group. Okay. We're gonna lump Gerald Hawkins, LaRaven Clark, and Joe Haig. Where are these guys coming from? Gerald Hawkins is a Tampa Bay lineman who was traded from Pittsburgh. He has a little bit of versatility. He is somebody who, if you let, if you let La Le Adrian Waddle walk, and if you let Quentin Spain walk, you need to fill that depth. I'm not sure I feel comfortable with him starting, but Tampa Bay needed some help. Pittsburgh found themselves in a weird position at the end of last preseason where they actually had a glutton of decent offensive linemen. It was very similar. This was a very similar trade to the one that Brandon Bean made when he sent Wyatt Teller to the Browns. Too many guards. Yeah, just too many in this position. We didn't think he was going to make the roster. Let's get something for him. And I think there's something there. I think there's something there. I watched a little bit of him in the preseason, and I think there's something there for a depth player. I would be interested. LaRaven Clark and Joe Haig are both offensive tackles from Indianapolis. Does that ring a bell for you, Nick? Yes, Indianapolis. Don't they have a good offensive line coach? They do have a good offensive line coach. They used to have an assistant offensive line coach there who I'm pretty sure works for us now. So there is some familiarity with Bobby Johnson and Joe Haig and LaRaven Clark. So those are some players who I think Indianapolis has a very good offensive line. Again, there's a theme to sort of this stuff. When you're looking at free agencies and you want to try and get good values, how do you get good values out of free agency? Well, look at what the Bills have done historically, right? Look at what value they got out of John Brown. Can we can we accept at this point, I know it's one year into his contract, can we accept that John Brown was a good value? Absolutely. How about John Feliciano? Can we accept that John Feliciano was a good value? Off the charts value. How about Jordan Poyer? Can we accept Jordan Poyer was a good value?
2: Yeah. Okay. I got to go back and say that he's even more off the charts. Right. So how about Micah Hyde? Was
1: Micah Hyde a good value? Micah Hyde was a good value. A lot of this stuff is projection. A lot of it is, why didn't they get a chance to show what I am thinking they can show before? And some of that is, they just had really good players in front of them, you know? And so Indianapolis is one of those teams that has a good offensive line. So if you're looking for some backup offensive lineman that you think can come in, right, and potentially be better here than they were there, you go look at that. Yeah. It's, it was the exact same line of thinking that got us Jordan Poyer. It was the same line of thinking that got us John Brown. It was the same line of thinking that got us John Feliciano. And that's the kind of thing I'm targeting with these players.
2: Yeah, I think Feliciano makes a lot of sense. Now, these guys, are they... Potential starters here. So I mean, if we grab one of these two tackles from Indianapolis, are these guys that you think, okay, we're gonna go into camp and they're gonna be in the mix? You know, because if you grab one of these guys and you grab Brian Bulaga, Brian Bulaga's kind of, you know, th- there's some cachet there. So he's probably gonna expect and you're probably gonna pay him as if he's a starter. You know, if you grab one of these guys, you're kind of already paying Ty and Sekhi starter money, but that's not you're not married to that. You know, you're not married to bring in back Adrian Waddle and Cody Ford is a wild card at the tackle spot, right? So if you were to sign one either of these two tackles uh from Indianapolis, are either of them guys that you feel like, okay,
1: this guy's probably he's in serious consideration to start? I wouldn't think that either one of them would be in serious consideration to start. Now they may come in and they could Feliciano us, right? They could just come in and be very, very impressive. And that's that's a possibility. That's absolutely a possibility. But I would I would doubt that either one of them would be a starter for the Bills based on just the roster we have right now. Okay. So the only tackle
2: that you – or the only free agent target in general that you have in mind that solidifies the transition – of Cody Ford from tackle to guard is Brian Bulaga.
1: Absolutely. I think he's the only free agent possibility that immediately solidifies Cody Ford to guard. Now, that's people in the draft, but as far as free agencies go, I mean, people are talking about Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin's going to get $15 million a year. I don't think we're going to pay Conklin $15 million a year and then extend Deion Dawkins for $15 million a year. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So are any of these
2: guys potential replacements for Quentin Spain? If the bills just are going to be stubborn and we're going to keep Cody Ford at tackle and we're going to ignore the draft, we're just going to pretend the draft doesn't happen. The only addition to the offensive line of any significance is one of these guys that are not Brian Bulaga. Do any of them have the flexibility to, to take over for Quentin Spain? And would you, be interested, you know, if in any of them being a starter? I mean, not necessarily having to
1: Feliciano us, but you already think highly enough of them to do that. I would give Gerald Hawkins a crack at it along with, you know, the the departed Quentin Spain has walked out the door, but I would give him a crack at it in competition during the training camp and the offseason. But I'm pretty sure we both know probably who would slide into that spot.
2: Okay. What is the next group you want to talk of? You, do you have do you have any tight ends? I do not have any tight ends. Okay. So so you
1: have, let me guess, you have wide receivers. I do. I have three, one, two, three wide receivers, actually. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to look down and count for a second.
2: And then you would have two other players, and I'm assuming that they
1: would be running backs. Uh, a running back and then a little surprise. A surprise. Okay. Yes, a surprise player. Why don't we do the wide receivers? Wide receivers, Tajay Sharp, Paul Richardson, Taylor Gabriel. Now, Tajay Sharp, Tennessee, Taylor Gabriel, most recently from Chicago, Paul Richardson from Washington. Paul Richardson was a free agent bust coming from Seattle to Washington. He can't stay healthy. That's his big issue. Now, Brandon Bean has shown that he is completely okay with taking shots on people who can't stay healthy. Yeah. You know, he signed Trent Murphy to a reasonable contract coming off a torn ACL. You know, he's Kevin
2: Johnson, Spencer Long,
1: Long. yes, 100%. This is one of those buy low scenarios with Paul Richardson. He's a vertical receiver. He was very well thought of coming out of Seattle to Washington. People thought, hey, I remember that this is this is somebody who can really and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And this is the kind of buy low thing we're talking about. We're not talking about going out and getting Amari Cooper. That's not the scenario that's going to happen, I don't think, for this Buffalo Bills team. But buy low, sign me up all day. Bring him in, have him compete. At this point, I don't think he's in really in a position to act, get any guarantees, so why not? And when he sees an opportunity to resurrect his career, it works out for both parties. So that's Paul Richardson. Taylor Gabriel is an upgrade from Isaiah McKenzie. That's what he is. He's an upgrade from Isaiah McKenzie. He got cut because it was a, a savings move, a cost savings move in Chicago. And quite frankly, I, I'm not... Entirely sure they use them the way. I, when, when Taylor Gabriel went to Chicago, I was like, that's perfect. Matt Nagy with Taylor Gabriel, I was having visions of Tyreek Hill, right? And the creativeness that they've shown creativeness, creativity. I can talk. Words are great. No, no, no. And the people in Kansas City with Andy Reid and now Eric Bieniemy, they've been able to utilize that kind of speed. And he just never really got utilized the way that I thought he was going to. They got rid of Jordan. Howard, and they kept Tariq Cohen with the idea that they could utilize that speed, but then they never really utilized it with Taylor Gabriel the way I wanted to. He's not a number one. He's not a number two. I don't even know if he's necessarily a number three, but I think he's an upgrade for Isaiah McKenzie. I think he's just as explosive, probably a little faster, and he has better ball handling skills. So Taylor Gabriel is an upgrade at wide receiver four or wide receiver five, depending on where you think McKenzie falls. I think that
2: that's you know sort of where – you have to imagine these guys going anyways, because you're probably not. No, Whoever you sign, John Brown had too good of a season to think about taking reps away from him or trying to replace him. And the same is Cole Beasley. He, he plays such a specific kind of role and he excels at such a specific kind of receiving that you you don't really imagine replacing him. He's probably one of the three or four best guys who does what he does in general across the league. So anybody that we bring in is automatically going to be number three, you would imagine, or potentially like 2A if you want to think about Cole Beasley being that way. And if you're in the camp where you at least are leaving the door open to a high wide receiver selection in the draft, you're talking about no free agent wide receiver being potentially more of a, of a more being higher on the depth chart than, than three or four, you know, three a or, or four. So, uh, or three B. So yeah, I mean, th- I, that would make sense to me. I, I there isn't really, unless you're going to swing for the fences, which I'll give you a, a moment after you talk about this next guy to talk about why, you know, uh, AJ green isn't on your list, but Yeah, that that makes perfect sense to me as to what the
1: opportunity to contribute would be for anybody that we brought in. I'm not entirely sure we even sign a receiver in free agency at all, like at at all zero. I'm not even entirely sure we spend any money at all on the position. I think we might draft two of them. That's my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if we spent a second and a fourth on wide receivers and didn't sign a single person. That would not shock me. If we did sign someone, maybe a bottom-of-the-barrel thing, maybe a, a Paul Richardson, maybe a, a Taylor Gable, or maybe this next guy. This next guy is Tajay Sharp from Tennessee. Again, we're sticking with a theme here. We're buying low on these players, or we're hoping that they can show something they didn't show before because they didn't have the opportunity to show it. John Brown specifically talked about that. I'm a complete receiver, he said, but no one gave me an opportunity to show that. He comes to Buffalo, He's number one receiver for one year, he has over a thousand yards. He shows ability to, to do well on routes that aren't verticals. John Brown's like, "Oh, you think I'm just a vertical guy? Let me go to this let me go to this team where the quarterback stinks at vertical shots for an entire year, and I still do great. That's a complete player, and he didn't get a chance to show it. Well, Tajay Sharp, kind of a weird scenario. So he comes in in 16, and he has a really good year, okay? Rookie, Tennessee Titans, 41 catches, 522 yards, two touchdowns. In 17, he never sees the field at all because he gets hurt, injury, foot, IR, nothing, zero stats. I don't like a foot injury on a receiver. I don't either, but now we're three years years removed. So I, I, I feel better about the physical stuff. In 18, he comes back and the Titans have brought on Corey Davis by then. And Corey Davis is the kind of the focal point of that offense. And he didn't quite do what he wanted to do. Then 19 rolls around. They have A.J. Brown. So now he's just falling farther and farther. So the step he had an opportunity to take was 16 to 17. That was his opportunity to show more, right? Because he had the good 16 and he was going to build on that for 17. I mean, having a rookie have 522 yards and two touchdowns as a rookie, In a Tennessee Titans offense, okay, yeah, let's go. That's nothing to shake a stick at. Nothing to shake a stick at, right? But he missed his opportunity to take the next step. He missed out entirely on his ability to move forward because he got hurt, and then when he comes back, he's buried on the depth chart. I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm saying if you want to buy low on somebody, let's try it. Yeah, I guess the thing
2: I would be worried about is it's not like he's going to be coming here and we're going to be giving him the kind of opportunity that we gave John Brown, right? Because here... He would be coming in, and we would have some commodity, right? I mean, like John Brown came here, we had nothing. We had Zay Jones, absolutely. And he didn't even he didn't even last. You're you right. know What I mean. So, so Sharp would be coming in, and he would immediately, I mean, kind of be buried again. You know, from from day one. Especially if we were to draft a guy. Now it's like you, the story could go on. Another team could be having this conversation next off season, where they say, you know, he went to Buffalo, but you know, he was buried behind John Brown and Cole Beasley and and uh, Jalen Rager or whoever else we were to you know. Draft draft. draft. So um, yeah, I I think it's interesting too. I I mean, I get what you're saying, but I, it's kind of, I guess, you know, there's two, two ways to think about it. You can think about it like, well, Tennessee doesn't really have that high power offense, so they're not really going to, it's kind of hard to make room for yourself whenever they're pushing different guys into the opportunity space, which they were doing with Corey Davis and AJ Brown. And then you could also say, well, like he had the opportunity. It's not like, you know, he never saw the field. So I get it, but I, I see where you're coming from. And I I'm intrigued. I've been really intrigued by Paul Richardson. I think that that's uh, I think that's interesting. I always like the the guy who's kind of been around the block and is a little savvy, you know, to come in and 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 just provide, especially if you're talking about a third or fourth guy, you know, it's nice to have some some reliability there.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's 100% valid concern on Tajay Sharp. I 100% do. I think that there's an argument to be made that Brown and Beasley don't quite evoke the level of depth chart pushing downiness. That's a word I just made it up. Totally a word. And not quite the same as Corey Davis and A.J. Brown do. Sure. Um, In addition, I think that Brian Dable's offense uses multiple wide receiver sets. A lot more than you're going to get from a power running team, right? And they're going to throw the ball more sure. than you're going to get from power. So the opportunity is naturally going to just come from that—more snaps, more available targets. I mean, Brian Dable ran, uh, you know, ran 46 pass plays in a playoff game where we were up 16 nothing at halftime. So you're going to get, you're going to get opportunities, you know, here right. in this offense. Yeah, I and I think it. that's that's a pitch you can make. It's a, yeah, it's better scenario. It's not ideal. It's not like you're coming in with a cupboard bare. But how many teams are you getting a chance to go in where the cover's completely bare?
2: Yeah, that's unusual, and it's not a place that anybody wants to be. We didn't want to be there, so exactly, I get that. So, you want to take a moment and talk about why? Uh, I think Brashad Perryman and AJ Green; those are two guys that are pretty common, and even a guy who I, you know, I was a little soft on after talking to Pat Moran about it. And Robbie Anderson from the Jets. You know, these are those are those are guys that either other people are talking about
1: or have talked about. Why are none of them on your radar? Those are connected, actually. A.J. Green is going to get franchised, first off. So that takes him immediately off my list. If he was available as a free agent, I would consider it. I talked about this a month ago. I said, yeah, I'm absolutely interested in A.J. Green at that price, right?
2: I was wondering why this, why he was gone off. So. Yeah. Okay, the, that makes sense.
1: My opinion is fluid because the situation's fluid. I am not interested in trading any draft picks for A.J. Green. Absolutely not. And if he gets franchised, that's just the way it is. They They clearly want to keep him so that Joe Burrow has a target like that when he comes in the door. I'm not interested at all. In addition, the franchising of A.J. Green is good news for Brashad Perryman and good news for Robbie Anderson. Both of them are going to get paid. They're going to get paid by people who don't want to draft a receiver in the first round. They're going to get paid by people who absolutely need a number one receiver and think that that's what they're getting with Perryman and Robbie Anderson. And it's just too much extrapolation for me. The market for the two of them is going to be similar to what I think the market for Tyrell Williams was last year. And I wasn't interested in that at that point. I won't be interested in them there because I think both of them are going to get paid, notably paid. And I don't think if you bring in Robbie Anderson, your receiver issue is fixed. I don't think if you bring in Brashad Perryman that your receiver issue is fixed. And if you're not going to fix it, but you're going to pay for it to be fixed, that's bad value for me. Okay. I think that makes a lot of sense when the
2: when you introduce scarcity into the market, the price goes up for everything. So that makes sense. OK, uh, let's do the running back unless you want to do the surprise. Are we burying the lead on the surprise and
1: it's not very good? You no, can tell me. no, it's <laughs> awesome. It's absolutely okay, awesome. Okay. But let's do the running okay. back. We'll do the running back. Go ahead. Chris Thompson, running back, Washington. Really? One of the best pass catching backs, backs in the entire league and also someone who gets hurt. Really, I am I cannot believe it was not either Jordan Howard or Matt Breta or one of these other guys. I don't know how Breta's gonna get tagged yet, so I'm kind of reserving I'm kind of holding back my opinion on that because I don't know they're what just I, don't, so I don't know what tender they're there. Gonna, I know, but I, until I see what tender he's got, that's it's a little bit like yeah, I'm interested in them, but I don't know if they can get franchise tagged. you know what I mean? It's a little yeah, bit okay. like this because it's a value proposition. Everything is what you get versus what you give. And if I don't know what I have to give yet, then I can't. That's an incomplete. It's an incomplete valuation. I if I don't know what I have to give up to get somebody, then you can't just say in a vacuum. You know, do you want this guy? Well, yeah, I want all the players, right? But I I'm worried about what they're going to tag with Brita. I really am. But with Jordan Howard, I don't think Jordan Howard's that good. It's just that simple. Okay, I didn't think he was that good at Chicago. I don't think he was that good this year. I I, I just don't think he's that good. I think you could draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round and get better production than Jordan Howard with a better skill set than Jordan Howard. I'm just not a big fan of Jordan Howard. I understand that a a few of my fellow fellow Buffalo Rumblings people are, but I'm just, I'm just not a huge fan. I am. However, I'm interested in buying very, very low on Chris, Chris Thompson and having him compete with TJ Yeldon for that. Well, you know, he can catch passes out of the backfield role. That's what I want. What I want is I want to be, Have TJ Yeldon and Chris Thompson duke it out, bring in a mid to late round rookie and say, well, there are four people and three jobs. We're going to have tryouts. There's
0: only one spot open right now, so we're going to have tryouts. And then break a, pool, <laughs>
1: break a pool cue and drop it on the floor and just say, whoever walks out of here, you're on the team. Yeah. So where's this Chris Thompson guy? Where's he coming from? He's coming from Washington.
2: OK. And did he have any I mean, he's been hurt a lot, you said. But did he have
1: flashes of success during his healthy streaks? Yes, he absolutely did. He's someone who I don't think was going to get an opportunity to really show anything anyway, because you had Darius guys who they really desperately wanted to get. Involved, but he keeps getting hurt, ironically enough. And then you have Adrian Peterson, who for some reason is just like the bionic man. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. And just keeps cranking out really good, really strong seasons, regardless of what you put in front of. It's just amazing. It really is. His best season ever. Chris Thompson's best season ever was 2017. He had... 294 yards rushing and 510 yards receiving his absolute best season ever. He's just not utilized that much. So he doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires, but in 2019, he had 37 carries the entire year and 42 catches. He is clearly a receiving back, but you know who likes backs like that? The new England tree. Think about Kevin Falk, right? Think about Deion Lewis, all of these New England scatbacks who came in on third down and absolutely terrorized people. Don't tell me the New England tree and the New England offensive tree doesn't like players like this because they do. And Brian Dables from there. All right. It is time for the surprise. Go ahead and reveal it. We need a linebacker. First off, in addition we also have some rumblings. You know, these fans are really dissatisfied with Patrick DeMarco. They really don't love Patrick DeMarco. I think Patrick DeMarco is perfectly fine, right? I don't have a super strong opinion about Patrick DeMarco because if you want to have a fullback, I think he's completely reasonable. Hey, let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's sign Alandon Roberts from New England. Alandon Roberts is a fullback slash linebacker who runs a 4-4 and caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. The dude is an absolute freak. I don't know if anybody has ever watched Alandon Roberts before, but he's just the freakiest of all freak. He's process AF. Belichick, who doesn't rave about anyone who's not on his upcoming schedule, raved about Alandon Roberts and talked about how his toughness and his character brought a lot to the team. Let's Let's kill two birds with one stone. He's a demon on special teams. He can fill in at fullback intermittently. He can make us... You know, if, if if the Bills fans really want to get rid of Pat DeMarco, there you go. Here's an opportunity to get rid of Pat DeMarco. But there's a win all the way around, and I friggin' love Alandon Roberts. Is he your ninth guy for defense tomorrow too? No, he's not. He's kind of a hybrid gonna... thing. I I put him on here because he played more fullback this year, okay, than than anything else. And I he's not. He didn't play two ways the whole time, right? He's a converted linebacker. But you know, when you're five. 11 and 235 pounds you run a 4-4 I, I mean you can play in this defense yeah right or you can play a fullback now obviously I don't know what his agent and what he want to really want to really do do you know what I mean sure with his career moving forward but starting in week seven of last year he started playing on offense as well as defense he was used as a fullback because they had two fullbacks before him. They had James Devlin. And when James Devlin went out, everyone's like, whoa, the fullback is a real part of the New England offense. The loss of James Devlin is actually notable. And they brought in Jacob Johnson. Well, then Jacob Johnson got hurt. So Bill Belichick, in his typical let's move Troy Brown to corner theory, said, hey, let's move Alandon Roberts, our 4-4 running thumper, to fullback. And he scored a touchdown. I think it was against the Dolphins. Now, the, the the Patriots lost that game, but I actually think it's kind of interesting. It gives you it, it allows you to use that player on special teams. You can free up some space with DeMarco if you really want to. I don't think that's a thing. I really think the the Bills like him and they like having him in the running back room. And I think there's some leadership components there. But I think it's a really, really fun thing to kind of think about. And that's why he was last. And I think it's a fun little exercise. That is super fun and super interesting. How good of a fullback is he? I actually liked him. I think he did really well for being fairly new to the position. I really do. Because when he was a linebacker, you have an understanding of of opposing blocking schemes, right? You know where you're supposed to be to take on the blocker. So it's not as huge of a mental transition as you might think, because linebackers understand run fits. And so when you understand run fits as a linebacker, you can understand them as a fullback. Now, I'm not saying it's a translatable skill. I'm saying it's not as bad. As you might think, yeah. you know, corner wide receiver, not as bad as you might think. It's not like he was moving. You know, I would argue safety to linebacker is only slightly easier than linebacker to fullback. You yeah, think, you think it'd be a lot easier, but it's it's only slightly easier, I think. And that's my opinion. When you think
2: about a linebacker, you know, you, you can kind of imagine that they're nemesis, right? So there's like the bad guy. If you think about it like this in like a movie term, you're the guy the good guy is the linebacker. The bad guy is the ball carrier that he's supposed to take down, right? But the the bad guy always has a henchman, a key henchman that is like the like kind of like the starter boss, right? The the lesser boss that you have to beat before you can really take on. The bad guy. And I think that, you know, you, you know, that player, or like, you know, that person or, you know, that enemy. And that's sort of like what linebackers and fullbacks are like, they are responsible for each other right i mean they are they are diametrically opposed on every snap of the game in the running game at least so it's it's interesting that that you know would make sense why the the mental jump you know it's like oh i can i can play the role of the person i'm always going up against that
1: that makes a lot of sense i feel like we just gave him a nickname even though he's not on the team and might never be i feel like his name is odd job now
2: goodbye mr bond odd job
1: Yeah, it fits on multiple dynamics. You know what I mean? He's the henchman. He's also doing odd jobs. I I think there's some there's some play there. I think there's something to this odd job nickname.
2: All right, good. Well, we're going to leave it there. This one went a little bit longer than we wanted, but we had to get some methodology out. So tomorrow, come back on Friday. We will be in your feed again Friday morning talking about the defensive free agency prospects that Bruce likes and why and the targets and how we could pursue them and what they would contribute. And as always, we're going to ask, if you have a moment, please go to the iTunes store. We actually found out as well that if you go to Stitcher, which is another podcast app, you don't even have to you don't even necessarily have to use it or anything like that. But if you go to Stitcher's website, you have to do it on a laptop or on a desktop computer. But if you go to Stitcher's website because you've tried to leave us a review on iTunes or something like that and you've never been able to do it, if you go to Stitcher and you search Buffalo Rumblings and you pull up the podcast on the Stitcher website, again, from a laptop or from a desktop... You can scroll to the bottom of that page and you can be one of the first people to leave us a review on that website. So for people who have had a hard time trying to leave us a review on the iTunes store because you don't have an Apple phone or an Apple you know, tablet or a MacBook or anything like that, here's an alternative way. And until tomorrow morning, whenever we are back in your feed again, you're thinking about all these different offensive prospects slash hybrid linebacker fullbacks that we could potentially sign this off-season, here's something else to keep in mind.
0: I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha cha.